The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. So the question I want you to be asking today as we look at these verses is, what now? now we're gonna, I think that's the kind of the scenario that we're going to see. It's, and the disciples had to be asking themselves is, what, what now? Now, I ask myself this question about every 10 years. So I've asked it at least twice. The, uh, um, but since I've been married, particularly, uh, because if you, if you get to know me, I have a hard time letting go of things. Um, um, and my wife has a hard time with me not letting go of things. So about every 10 years, we go through kind of a, a rough patch. Um, it was probably only just a few weeks ago that one of my favorite shirts. And it's, the reason it's every 10 years is because I hold on to them for about 10 years until finally... They get so many holes in them where it's, all, it's hard to keep the shirt on because there's, sometimes it's hard to know which hole to put your arm through. And, uh, but it's kind of like, see, most of you outgrew that because you had a favorite blankie or favorite stuffed animal. And finally your parents said, you know, you're, you've outgrown that. It's, it's time, you know, you're 30. You shouldn't be carrying your blankie around with you anymore. But I still, it's, it's traumatic. Um, if you were to come to our house right now, in our rag pile, you know, in the laundry room, there's a couple of my shirts. It took about 10 years for them to get there. And, and we go through that, and finally I let go, and my wife takes that beloved possession that really I don't think I can live without. It goes into the rag pile, and in my mind it's like, what now? I mean... <laughs> How can I continue to live without that shirt? Um, maybe, maybe there's more serious reasons to ask that question. Um, my mother, uh, she's going to be 93 uh, in July. Her birthday's July 4th. Um, and she just uh, a week ago fell and uh, broke her wrist. Uh, it wasn't that long ago before she fell. And she's, she lives on her own, but she's getting pretty fragile. Uh, it, it's got to be going through my, my mom's mind. It certainly is going through my, my two sister and, and my mind. What now? <laughs> um, talked to her on the phone last night and said mom should you come to live with us for a while and she's independent nope (laughs) I got it figured out Uh, but in our minds it's like what now Um, maybe not too long ago some of some of you you lost your job or um, or maybe there's the fear of losing your job or sickness struck your family or uh, some kind of calamity 
struck you or you acquired a huge car repair bill. Um, you experienced a falling out with a friend or, or a spouse and now you're asking yourself, what now? It seems like, how do I move forward? Uh, when everything seemed certain, now there's uncertainty. When you thought you had everything planned out, and we do a pretty good job of that, don't we? We plan our lives out, and then all of a sudden something throws those plans into turmoil, and you're, you're saying, what now? When things aren't turning out as you thought they would or they should, what now? Uh, maybe some of you are here this morning. That's the way it is. Or maybe... <laughs> Maybe you aren't there. You're feeling pretty certain, but it could, you know, we know that right around the corner, something could rock our worlds, and then we're asking ourselves, what now? Um, Jesus' disciples, um, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to put ourselves into their sandals or flip-flops, um, and we're going to try and understand is they have got to be asking themselves that question right now as we come to John 21. I want you to realize these people, these guys, for three years they've been walking with Jesus. I mean, they've, they've had sleepovers every night. They've eaten together. I mean, 24-7, these 12 guys have been with Jesus. And in their minds, I think they're th- they're. Th- They've thought this is just going to go on and on and on. This is just going to be like a Jesus fest forever. But then, <laughs> it was just a few days before, uh, they saw him betrayed by one of, their, one of their own. They saw him arrested. They saw him beaten, flogged. They saw him hanging on a cross. And then when it seemed like all hope was gone... <laughs> They saw him. Now twice they've seen him. I mean, that he's alive. And they're excited and they're thinking, man, this is just, this is, it is going to be this Jesus fest forever. But then he disappears. And and for now several days they're kind of going through this appearing, disappearing act where Jesus is there and Jesus is gone and Jesus is there and Jesus is gone. And their mind, they're thinking, what now? I mean, imagine these guys for three years, they, every day with Jesus. Uh, kind of like what just flashed through my mind was the old song, Every Day with Jesus is Sweeter Than the Day Before. Any of you old enough to, you, know, you don't have to raise your hands. They, uh, and that's what they're thinking. Every day with Jesus is just going to go on and on and on. And, and now he's alive, but, but he's, he appears and he disappears. He appears and he disappears because Jesus like he told them days before, he's preparing to return to heaven so he can get things ready for them to come and join him. But in their minds, there's just this confusion. Their world's been rocked. And they're really asking themselves, what now? The question that we're going to start reading here is what do we do, what do you do when your world has been rocked. And whether that's where you're at now or it's going to happen. I mean, every one of us, whether it's financial or physical or relational, your world is going to be rocked. It's just the world we live in. 
And then what? If we can look at John 21, let's read. Afterward, and the afterward is after Jesus has risen from the dead and he's appeared to them twice already. Jesus appears again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. You know, one of the things I just love about the Bible is uh, the detail uh, that just shows that this is a historical document. This isn't just made-up stories. The the detail, the history, the geography that just reveals to us this is this is true stuff. Verse three: Simon Peter says, "I'm going out to fish." Simon Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, they're all fishermen. Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And they said, we'll go with you. And why not? They have no idea. Their their lives have been flipped upside down. They've been following Jesus. And now it's like, what now? I mean, you get this? They're trying to figure things out. They have no idea what is next. And so they just go back to what they know. Fishing. And so they went out, they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. That's frustrating for a fisherman. That's why I don't fish, is because I would only do it if I could catch a fish every time, or lots of fish. Um, Verse 4, early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. They were too far away. To see him, he calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? That's tough for a fisherman to hear, huh? (laughs) No, they answered. And then he says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So here's this guy on shore (laughs) that obviously doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. and And he's telling these fishermen Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now there's two things about this that that make this just kind of crazy. Number one, and, and I'm an authority on this, right? I just told you I'm not a fisherman, but I worked for a commercial fisherman, so I know how this works. So I actually, for a summer, I was on a gill netter in the San Juan Islands, uh, And so this makes a lot of sense to me how absolutely bizarre what Jesus is asking them to do. When you're fishing with a net, a gill net, you do it at nighttime. Anybody know why? Because fish are sleeping at night. No, it's because they can't see the net, right? That's why you fish at nighttime. Jesus says... Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. This is early in the morning. They've been fishing all night. The the time you fish with a net for fish, now it's morning. The fish can see the net, so you're not going to catch any fish. And just to give you an you know another, this is you're you're getting a lot of education here this morning. It says throw your net on the right side of the boat. I mean, fish don't respect left and right side of the boat. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they were fishing on the left side and the fish, oop, center line, keel, we can't go to the other side. 
And so going through their minds, as, I mean, as their minds are reeling, like, what now? I mean, we're, we're out fishing, and this is what we know. And then this stranger comes up and says, throw your net on the right side of the boat during the bright daytime when the fish can see the net, and I guarantee you're going to find some fish. And they're thinking, this guy is loopy. But, but they seems they're respectful, so they did it. And they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Um, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, who's writing this gospel, says to Peter, it's the Lord. Uh, now they know, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. This is Peter, he just, impulsive. The other disciples followed in the boat, doing Peter's work for him, towing the net full of fish, <laughs> for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, some bread, and Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. This guy was, should have been on Ninja Warrior or something. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The disciples' world has been rocked. But now Jesus is appearing to them because he wants to put across something to them. Again, the question, what do we do when our world is rocked? And this is the point that I want us to get from these verses. When life is uncertain, your world has been rocked. When life is uncertain, remember, Jesus is certain. When your life has been rocked, when your life is uncertain, remember, Jesus is certain. Now, to get this, I want us to go back to the beginning uh, when Jesus began his ministry. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 5 because there's two miracle fish story in the Bible. Um, Did we get Luke 5 on here? Okay. They do a great job. Because they received it about three o'clock this morning, so <laughs> I told you it was a party and weekend. Um, they finished party and went to bed, but not me. <laughs> okay, you can feel sorry for me later. The <laughs> okay, stay focused here. Luke five. Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him listening to the word of God. Now, this is the very beginning. Jesus' ministry is just beginning. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Sound familiar? Same guy, Simon Peter. Asked him to put out a little from shore. Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon... Put out 
into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So Jesus loved teaching fishermen how to fish. Um, it's, again, it's during the day, you know. It's not when you fish with a net. Simon answers, Master, we've, heard, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Maybe we could just tell you how fishing works. No. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat, that would have been James and John, this is Peter and Andrew, to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And Peter, he sees this, he knows this is miraculous, this isn't how you catch fish. And he falls at Jesus' knees and he says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. And this is where their lives are changed. They see this miraculous catch of fish. They see this this person, Jesus, and they just they leave everything and follow him. Jesus used this first miraculous fishing trip to reveal himself to them and to call them to follow him. And I want I want us to get that last verse is so important. They pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. Him, Jesus. Notice, Jesus didn't recruit them uh, to a program. I mean, he's not inviting them to join his church. He's just inviting them to follow him. To follow him. And now, three years later, the John in John 21, they're with their world rocked, Jesus again does this miraculous fishing trip. As the disciples are asking themselves, what now? Jesus is showing them that when life is uncertain, he's certain. You know, certainty, for me, I mean, you know, certainty is this, this shirt that I can just wear forever, right? And then my wife steals it, throws it into the, into the rag pile, and my world is rocked. You laugh. That's pretty, it's, 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 it's hard. Life isn't about stuff. Life isn't about things. I mean, Certainty isn't about our health, isn't about our jobs. It it isn't about all that stuff that gives us certainty because all that stuff can be gone in a second, right? Certainty is about Jesus. Okay, there's, there's two things I want us to get from this passage in Luke 5 and then in, in John 21. The first, what is Jesus doing? 
he's reminding reminding his disciples that it's about him. See, I think what has happened um, is they forgot that that it's about him and they thought it's just about all the stuff they're doing, this this kind of three-year Jesus fest that they're enjoying and and, and they thought that he has to be there, that it, it's not about him, it's about all the stuff they're doing together and it's making them feel good and they're, they've forgotten that it's about him. You know, that's what resulted from this first fishing experience. Remember, they left everything and they followed him. There was nobody, they came to realize there was nobody and no one else like him and they just had to follow Jesus. And they'd given their lives to him. They left everything. It made what, before their lives were fishing and then it, it what was to them important before ceased to become important i mean just they up and left it all what had consumed their lives before they they left behind as they realized there was something about this man jesus and they just had to follow him and it changed them forever and so when we come back to john chapter 21 it's like Jesus reminding them as he does this miraculous fishing trip again and they realize it's him and John says, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. I wonder how many of us have, we've forgotten that it's about Jesus. <laughs> that, and, and, and what gives us certainty in life, it's not about all this other stuff we accumulate. And, and I'm not saying they're unimportant things. But we've begun to put our, our certainty and our hope in those things and we forgot that it's the Lord, it's Jesus, it's about him. I mean, who else could do such a miraculous catch of fish? Who else could give them certainty in the face of uncertainty? For the disciples right now, if we can go back to John 21, as their lives have been rocked and everything is different, Jesus wants them to know that he's still the same. The same Jesus that did that miraculous catch of fish at the beginning of the ministry, he's repeating it, reminding them that he's the same Jesus. Everything is different. He's going to be leaving them, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus before and after our world being rocked. It's the same Jesus. The second thing that we see, and if we can go to the end of John 21, the verses, not only is Jesus reminding them um, that it's about him, he's refocusing them. Not only is it about him, but he is life. There's a phrase here that I want us just to capture for a second. Look at verse 13. Jesus came, he took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Does that phrase sound familiar at all to you? Jesus took the bread and gave it to them. This is a phrase that we see repeated throughout the gospel and is so important because it's Jesus reminding them that it's not just about him, but 
life is in him. He is the one who gives life. Um, just, I wrote down a few verses just, just so you can get the, the feel. In John 6, 11, Jesus is feeding the 5,000, right? It's in all the Gospels. Listen to what it says. It says, Jesus took the loaves of bread, gave thanks, and gave to those who were seated as much as they want. And he did the same with the fish. That's the feeding of the 5,000. Same phrase. Oh, wow, you're on top of it. My goodness. John 6. Did you write my sermon too? No, I'm John 6, 33 to 35. The bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, Jesus says. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I am the bread who gives life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Mark 8, 6. Jesus is feeding the 4,000. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to give to the people. Luke twenty two nineteen. Jesus is at the Last Supper. It says he took bread gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's the same phrase throughout all the Gospels. Jesus repeating so they get that I am the bread of life. Life is in me. One more. In Luke 24, this is one of my favorite passages where two of the disciples, they're walking. Jesus has been raised from the dead, but they're not aware of it. Um, They're walking to a town called Emmaus, and they're down on the dumps because they don't know that Jesus has come back to life. And as they walk, Jesus joins them. Luke 24, 15 and 16, it says, As they walked, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Then in verses 30 and 31, it says, when he was at table with them, listen, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And then, when he did this, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. You see, Jesus has has done this throughout his whole ministry for them to get that when, when the bread is broken, it's to remind them when they're eating food is to remind them that in the same way that bread and twinkies no that's that's not the in the same way that food gives physical life jesus is the source of our spiritual life real life and so their eyes are open and they recognized him and then in verse 35 as they realize Jesus, they recognize him through the giving of the bread. They run back to the other disciples. The two told what had happened on the way, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. It's the same thing as we come to the end of the this service and we're going to have the opportunity to take the bread and 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 drink the juice. It's to remind us that our life is in Jesus. And, and now as the disciples' world has been rocked, 
and they're filled with confusion and they're filled with uncertainty, Jesus takes this opportunity to remind them again that life is going to be uncertain, but certainty is in him. Life is in him. And so in John 21, 13, he takes the bread and he gives it to them and he appears to them after this miraculous fishing trip that that those words that, that they've heard throughout the last three years would just run through their heads and it would bring them certainty. It's okay. Life is in Jesus. Life isn't in fishing. <laughs> Life is in Jesus. Something we should be reminded of every time we eat. I think that's why Jesus gave us such a common everyday thing. Most of us eat every day. Okay, many times a day. And so as we eat, it'll be a reminder to us. If I quit eating, I'm going to physically die. And in the same way, I just need to be in relationship with Jesus. If, if my spirit is going to thrive, if my soul is going to be alive, if I'm going to really live, to really live, life is in Jesus. And I need Jesus every day. I need to be in relationship with Jesus every day if I'm going to experience life in the same way that I need food every day. Four things just to, to remind us to kind of Summarize. Number one, life will constantly throw us curveballs. If you don't believe that, time to wake up. No. Life will constantly throw us curveballs, and we're going to be asking ourselves, what now? Number two, we get confused about what really provides certainty or life. We think we so easily get distracted and we, we think it's about money or things or a job or health or where we live or stability. But the reality is these things can all change <laughs> and our world can be rocked. Number three, Jesus is the certainty in the midst of life's uncertainties. Jesus is life. Like food sustains and nurtures our physical bodies, Jesus sustains and nurtures our souls, our spirits, the inner us, providing us life. Even when our world around us might be unraveling, we can have that rock-solid peace in Jesus. Verse number four, because Jesus is the one who connects us to God, he's the one that connects us to life. In the Bible it says, in him is life. It's, it's like plugging in a lamp to the electrical socket so that electricity can go through that cord and turn that light on. It's, if, if, if your world has been rocked and if you're, why, why am I not experiencing life? And some of you might be thinking you're experiencing life because you're, everything's going so great. <laughs> you know, the job's good, the money's good, Friends are, relationships are good, but those things can change. And, and it might be time to remember that in the same way that electrical cord is plugged into the socket, that we need to be plugged into Jesus because he's life. It's about him. Are you experiencing life 
Really? What if, what if you lose? What if your world gets rocked tomorrow? Um, Jesus is life. Are you, am I, in daily, vibrant relationship with Jesus? Let's pray. Father, thank you that um, life in the midst of all of its uncertainties, that, Father, we can have certainty. (laughs) Um, Like Paul said, I know whom I have believed. And, Father, I thank you for that confidence, even if my world is rocked, to know that life is in Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus, for life in you. Amen.